0: Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We're going to be in a brand new section. This is section number two concerning the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this section, we'll be studying the preparation of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And we'll be talking about the forerunner of Christ, and that is John the Baptist. But before we begin, let's just go ahead and say a few things concerning John the Baptist, uh, the reason for his coming, the importance of his coming, because he brought something new. This was something brand new. Now, remember, Israel had been 400 years in silence concerning the prophets. And now here comes John the Baptist. Praise God. So he is such an important figure as a forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ as a matter of fact, that Jesus himself said that there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Amen. Praise God. And of course, we're going to be looking at a tremendous prophecy that he gave uh, uh, in preparation for uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus. But notice here that when we're talking about baptism, and that's really what John is called, John the Baptist. When we're talking about baptism, we're talking about a consecration that the jews would perform upon gentile proselytes and they were the only entity the only people that were baptized in immersion now uh, the priests going into the temple they would always wash their hands and wash their feet that was a type of spiritual cleansing but that was not baptism baptism here was actually actual a ritual baptism And it was a cleansing ceremony for Gentile proselytes that were coming into the Jewish faith. But now John changed that. He added to that because he did not baptize Gentiles. He baptized the Jews themselves. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. And his ministry spoke to the Jewish nation saying this, that they required baptism themselves and not just the Gentiles. And, of course, Uh, we see how many Jews were actually uh, acceding to the message of John and were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Amen. And so, but now John the Baptist himself, he mentions the purpose of his baptisms. Notice uh, he says this. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but there comes one after me whose shoe latches I am not worthy to unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, And with fire. So the baptism of John was a baptism of repentance, looking forward to the one he said is to come. And of course, in the ministry of John the Baptist, there were those just like they are today, uh, like the Pharisees, uh, curious enough to come and to hear John's preaching and to observe his ministry, but had absolutely no desire whatsoever uh, to step into the water themselves. Uh, to repent of sin and to look for the Messiah. Uh, They felt like that they were the elite, as the elite, they felt like they were complete within themselves. Well, we're not. All of us born of woman, we're incomplete. We're born incomplete. We live our lives incomplete. We'll never find fullness until we bow our knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to come into our heart and life, uh, uh, repenting of our sins and confessing him as Savior and Lord. And so that's the baptism of John. But now Christian baptism, and we we can't get these two confused. Christian baptism is different. Remember now that John's baptism was different than the Jewish baptism. Christian baptism is different than John's baptism. Okay. Because Christian baptism symbolizes the fact that we have already repented. The fact that we have already made our commitment and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that he has already cleansed us by coming into us, making us a brand new person inside. And so the Christian baptism now is testimony. It's an outward evidence of an inward work. The fact that he has already done what he said that he would do for us through his death, burial and resurrection. So really. Christian baptism is an identification with the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is representative now. It is a testimony. It is a witness that the cleansing of our heart has been complete. Amen. And that we have made a forever, ever commitment and consecration to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. To his sacrifice on the cross to his death, burial, and resurrection, praise God, and that we have already been raised to new life in him through the power of the Holy Spirit, praise God. So John prepared the way for Christ, amen, and through Christian baptism, We signify to the world that we have already been cleansed by sin. We have already accepted Jesus Christ. And now he is our Lord from this time forward uh, forever until either we go by way of the grave or we're raptured uh, in our uh, soon coming Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Amen. So, Father, we thank you so much for this time that we have together. Now, Lord, in this session, help us by granting to us. Wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we can grow in the things of God. Father, give us fresh, fresh revelation concerning the ministry of John and the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to see things more clearly. And Lord, we'll give you praise and honor and glory for that in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. We're going to look now at the forerunner of Christ, uh, John the Baptist. And first of all, this we've already looked at him a little bit as messenger. But let's listen to what the word of God has to say concerning the person of, of uh, John the Baptist. Now, in Luke chapter three, first three verses, Luke records this. Now, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. When Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip was Tetrarch of the region of Eteria and Trachonitis and Lysanias was Tetrarch of Abilene and the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. Now, that pretty much pinpoints the date and the time that John the Baptist came on the scene. Amen. Verse three, and he came into all the district around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, Matthew records this saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then back to Luke again, for this is he, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every ravine shall be filled up and every mountain and hill shall be brought low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough road smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. You know, the love of God and the mercy of God. Is so far above our comprehension. We just cannot fathom the love of God. That's why Paul in writing to the ephesians told them you need to be praying that you receive the full dimension of god and what is that that is the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of the love of god that will come into a comprehension if there's anything that we lack as christians and as a church we we lack that full comprehension of the love of god praise god and i know that there are several people uh, many of them have come to renown Uh, that they have come into the threshold of that. But I'm telling you, we will not receive. I just do not believe that we're going to receive the full comprehension, the full dimension of God's love until we and that day we stand before the Lord Jesus and we look into his eyes that are great oceans of love. Praise God. Amen. Then our joy will definitely be full. Praise God. (laughs) All right. Now, Matthew records this. Now, John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt about his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the district round the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. So God had anointed John the Baptist with such a mighty message and with such a ministry that it was infecting the entire region of Judea. As a matter of fact, his ministry was so dynamic that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had to come to where he was. They, they had to go where he was and to witness for themselves, you know, the message that John was preaching. Amen. Praise God. So this was a dynamic person. This was somebody who, who was actually who was related to uh, the Lord Jesus But uh, spent all of his days, all of his adult days. Now, he spent all of his adult days out in the desert, alone with God in preparation for the time when he would come. Amen. Step into the ministry that God had called him to. What a tremendous person he is. No wonder Jesus called him the greatest prophet that ever lived. All right. Now, let's look at the message of John. Matthew, chapter three beginning in verse 7 but when he saw many of the pharisees and sadducees coming for baptism notice that coming for baptism isn't that interesting he said to them you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come now think about that i don't think they were coming for baptism i think they were coming to see what what was going on therefore bring fruit bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance and do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. How many times have the Jews said, how many times did they say that to Jesus? We have one father and he's Abraham. Jesus turned around and told him, your Father's not Abraham. Your father is of the devil. The things that he does as you do. He was a murderer. And in the beginning was a liar. And that's exactly what Jesus called the Jews. They called he called them liars. And John, John, the apostle said, anybody that doesn't believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is a liar. So we have to ask ourselves the question today. Are we living in truth or are we living a lie? If we're following the Lord Jesus, if we're submitted to him, surrendered to him, following him as close as we possibly can. Be quick to repent be quick to forgive when we fall out of the way, following, our heart following him as close as we possibly can, then we're in the truth. But if we're pretending to be something and relying upon church membership, but, that, but yet we're living in sexual immorality, we're living in drunkenness and wantonness, if we're practicing sin as a way of life, we're liars. Let's just be honest about it. We are practicing and we are purveying a lie because that's not of God and John the Baptist John the Apostle tells us amen the people that do such things they do they don't know God amen that's our supreme task in this lifetime is to know God and to follow him and we cannot know God and follow God if we don't answer the question what are we going to do with the Lord Jesus praise God Are we going to love him and follow him? Well, if we do, then we'll love God and follow him, too. Praise God. So let's go on now. Verse eight. This is John the Baptist. And he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he says this. (coughs) Actually, I think what John is saying is he's refusing to baptize these folks. He says this. Therefore, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Now, notice what he's saying here. And the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. And every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Notice that the the axe is already laid at the root of the trees now what are the trees that john the baptist is talking about he's talking about the jews as well as the gentiles the world is coming into a place where god is commanding every man to repent and he's and john is speaking specifically to that generation of the jews that are eventually in three and a half years are going to reject their messiah So this prophecy given to the Jewish nation is powerful. And of course, the Acts is speaking of the judgment of God that's going to fall upon the nation of Israel in their rejection of Messiah. And every tree that does not bear fruit, he will cut down and throw into the fire. Jesus said that, didn't he? Amen. Praise God. That's the that's the message of John the Baptist. Amen. Of course, in the end, we know that all Israel will be saved. And also, we know that there will be many Gentile nations that will survive the tribulation and be able to go into the millennial reign of Christ. We know that. The scripture tells us that. Praise God. But the cost, brother, the cost. The tremendous cost of the tribulation period. And the millions of people lost eternally. Go into eternity unprepared to meet the Savior. That death and hell one day will be delivered up and have to stand before the white throne judgment. Oh, I tell you, it's a horrible thing to even think about. My Lord, if you're listening to this broadcast today and you've never made a decision for Christ, do so now. Repent. Bow your head. Repent. Ask Christ to come into your heart and life and he'll do it in response to your faith. He'll make you a brand new person inside and then you'll be standing on the right side of eternity. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, Luke records this in Luke chapter three. Notice what Luke says here. Notice what he writes. And the multitudes were questioning him, saying, what shall we do? And he would answer and say to them, let the man who has two tunics share with him who has none and let him who has food do likewise. Now, remember what Zachariah said in his great prophecy. That we being delivered from the hand of our enemies should live before him in holiness and righteousness all of our days or all of our lives. Notice he said righteousness. He's talking about works of righteousness as testament to the fact that we know God. And this is exactly what John the Baptist is telling these people that are coming to him and asking him, what shall we do? You know, we're confessing our sins. What should we do now? What should we do to let everybody know that uh, that we are cleansed or are seeking cleansing and getting ready for the Messiah to come? Amen. And he tells him, let the man who has two tunics share with him who has none. In other words, eliminate selfishness and self-centeredness. Let him who has food do likewise. Don't don't look at the hungry and the poor and, and, and just be warmed and filled and then don't do anything to supply their need. That's not the love of God. Verse 12. And some tax gatherers also came to be bad pies. And they said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what you have been ordered to. Don't skim a man off the top. If they are to pay 10 percent, don't charge them 15 and then put 5 percent in your pocket. Don't do that. And then to the soldiers who were questioning him, John the Baptist said this when they asked him, what what about us? What should we do? And he said to them, do not take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. Amen. See, we God wants us to be content in this life. Well, I don't have enough to be content. Well, that's not God's fault. Why don't you start being obedient and then start praying? And ask God to show you how to have enough to, so that you can be content in life and have enough so that you can give others so that they can be content in life. Amen. Praise God. See, our lack always falls upon us. When we get on, in alignment with the things of God, then a prosperous life and a blessed life will come upon us. Amen. Now, Luke records this. Now, while the people were in a state of expectation and all were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he might be the Christ, John said this. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, notice what he says here. This is talking about this is talking now about the church age. See, verse 11 that I just read is talking about the, verse, first, uh, the church age. Amen. From the day of Pentecost until present. But now listen to what he says in verse 12. And his wintering fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Talking about the end time. Speaking of the time of God's judgment, both the tribulation and after the tribulation. Amen. The white throne judgment. Oh, I'm telling you, there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. Praise God. Amen. All right. Now, Luke, chapter three, verse 18. So with many other exhortations, also he preached the gospel to the people. But when Herod, the Tetrarch, was reproved by him on account of Herodias, his brother's wife and on account of all the wicked things which he had done he added this also to them all that he locked john up in prison he didn't like what john was saying so what did he do he locked john up in prison amen so don't be ashamed if you're out preaching the gospel and you get arrested and thrown in jail just know that you're in good company if they did it to john the baptist if they did it to jesus if they did it to the apostles amen why should we be exempt Praise God. Our mission is to proclaim we are to pray. We are to praise and we are to proclaim the message of the gospel. Praise God. All right. Now, we're moving on to the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's found in Luke chapter three and in Luke chapter one. i will not take the time uh, to read it, uh, but uh, I want to go ahead and read to you some comments from J. Vernon McGee. Uh, Speaking about Luke's genealogy, now notice what he says. He says the genealogy of Joseph Joseph is found in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's genealogy begins with Abraham and comes down to the Lord Jesus Christ through David and through Solomon. The legal title to the throne came through Joseph. Luke's genealogy is different. It is given in reverse order from Matthew's. Luke goes back to David and then back to Adam. Luke gives Mary's story, and this is clearly her genealogy. The royal blood of David flowed through her veins also, and Jesus' blood title to the throne of David came through her. Praise God. And so Luke's genealogy makes it very clear that Joseph was not the father of the Lord Jesus Christ because Luke says this. Let me read it to you. Luke chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, the first part of 24. And when he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years old, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Eli, etc., etc., etc. Amen. So, we know for a fact who the father of the Lord Jesus was. Amen. That's our father which is in heaven. Amen. Now, J. Vernon McGee says something else I think is very interesting. Notice what he says here. What he writes, rather. Then there is the other book, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. How did you get into that family, into that genealogy? You got into it by birth, a new birth. Praise God. Hallelujah. How did Jesus Christ get into the genealogy of David? Well, he was born. Amen. By a father and a mother who both were of the lineage of David. Praise God. So, in line, the kingdom belonged to him. The kingship belonged to him. But now, here we have the generation of Jesus Christ. Not the generation of Joseph, not the generation of Mary, but the generation of Jesus Christ. And who is in that generation? All born again believers, praise God. And how do we get into that generation? We get into it by the new birth. Amen. J. Vernon McGee says this. He says, the Lord Jesus says we must be born again to see the kingdom of God. That puts us in the Lamb's book of life and we get there by trusting Christ. We are all in the first book, the book of the generation of Adam But now we're going to get into the generation of Jesus Christ through one way, through him. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Praise God. Amen. That's how we get into the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And I truly hope you're there. Praise God. I confess I'm there and I hope you confess that you're there. Praise God. That's the best generation to be in. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, let's in the few moments we have left, let's look at the baptism of Christ. Notice what Mark records in chapter one, verse nine. And it came about in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And then Matthew records this. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of you and come, and you come to me. And Jesus answered and said to him, suffer it to be so now, for thus It becomes to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. In other words, Jesus in keeping with the law. Praise God. He wasn't being baptized because he was a sinner. He was being baptized in preparation for his ministry. How do we know that? Well, what took place after Jesus came out of the water? And listen to this. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water and lo, the heavens were rent asunder and were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. John the Baptist is seeing this. Okay, he's seeing this in the spirit. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. See, here is a definite, a definite allusion to the Trinity. The Godhead. Amen. A father, son and Holy Spirit. The Father and the Holy Spirit are not titles, they're people, praise God. They're real persons, amen. Form the Godhead, one in unity and one in quality, praise God, amen. Now, and we have the Apostles' Creed. I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, the only Son of our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And from thenceforth, he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And then, of course, I believe in the Holy Ghost, the universal church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So what a glorious baptism. All right. Now let's look at just a moment or two. Let's look at the temptation of Christ. Notice immediately following his baptism, he immediately and Mark records this. Listen to this. And immediately the spirit impelled him to go into the wilderness. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came to him after his 40 days fasting, see, at his weakest point. That's when the devil comes to us at our weakest point. That's why we are to uh, pay attention to the mandate of Paul that said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might." And the tempter came to him and said to him, if you are, if you are the son of God, command these stones become bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will give his angels charge concerning you and on their hands. They will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. See that Satan himself will use the word against you if you don't know the word. That's why you've got to know it. Praise God. And Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. See, what is what is Jesus saying? <laughs> Amen. He said, I'm the Lord. I'm your God. Amen. You may be in rebellion against me, but I'm going one day I'm going to judge you. Again, he took him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these things will I give you. If you will fall down and worship me because these things were given to me and I give it to whomsoever I will. See, Satan is the one that gave gave the devil the keys to this world, the authority to this world. Amen. Well, Jesus, his life, he's going to take him back. And then Jesus said to him, "Begone, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord, your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister unto him. Now, one thing I want to go ahead and say here is that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes to all of us. Jesus showed us how to overcome all of these temptations. It is written. It is written. It is written. But I want you to know that Jesus at no time used his mighty power and glory during those 40 days and 40 nights. And he suffered in his human flesh. I know there's a lot of health websites out there telling you, oh, man, you can do a 40-day fast. It won't hurt you. It'll help you. Let me tell you something. 40 days of fasting will destroy your body unless it's a supernatural fast. So I warn against it. Fasting, yes. This radical fasting? No, you need to think about it. You need to think seriously about it. If God calls you to it, then you can do it. But if God's not calling you to it, then don't do it. Fast, yes. Amen. Pray. Yes. Yeah, that will get you to the place to where we can, you can receive greater power. But notice the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Jesus need to be ministered by the angelic host after that tremendous temptation. And if Jesus is going to go through and willing to go through temptation, you and I have to be willing to do the same for his glory, not for our own. But for His, Amen. Father, we bless you and today in the name of Jesus, Lord, just open up the Word to us, give us revelation, help us, Lord, to see how wonderful our Lord and Savior is and how much He loves us. And we pray this in His name, Amen and Amen. Do
1: you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen.